The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to the Intentional Spirit with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And hello, everyone, and wow, all of you amazing intentional spirits. It's such a a beautiful thing to be with you always. So look forward to it. I can feel your consciousness as we're connected, whether you're listening right now as we are live on Unity Online Radio or whether you have downloaded and you're listening another time. When we claim a connection, we truly always have one. And speaking of connections, Just a a wonderful, amazing human being that I have resonated with since the first day I met him is T.J. Woodward. T.J., I'm so glad that you're here and so glad that you uh, are on the show today. I love sharing you, and we also have chosen you as a significant influencer in our world, and we're featuring you on Sunday here at our campus. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, thank you, Temple. I am so delighted to be here. And how incredible that we get to be with each other two times in the next few days. So I'm incredibly grateful. And just like you, the moment we met, we connected, uh, I felt an instant connection, not just because our stories are so similar and we share so many of the same perspectives, but there's a soul connection with you that I'm so incredibly grateful for. So I'm delighted to be here. Yes, well, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So how did a nice guy like you enter a place like this? <laughs> so the, the thing that I, that I love about you is um, you are yet another person that you are full of spirit. You're not full of yourself. And I love that essence about you and how you carry yourself in the world and how committed you are to your mission and vision, and uh, it's, it's just a wonderful thing. But let's go, let's go way back. Um, why, why does what you represent about conscious recovery? Why is that important to you, and why does it matter? Well, in my own journey, and I love that you said, let's go way back, because it really is important to go really far back uh, to Indiana in the 1970s when I was a little child. And I remember coming into the world feeling so happy, so connected and so filled with joy. And that experience diminished as I began to recognize the world, really, you know, the world that was trying to teach me and program me something that was counter to my spiritual truth, my spiritual knowing. My mother often says I was one of the happiest babies and toddlers that she's ever met. But I had an experience uh, at around the age seven where I closed my heart. And I know looking back that it was what I needed to do to protect my heart and to protect my spirit from a world that felt so counter. You know, I learned about war. I learned about racism, about sexism. And I started to see violence all around me. And I remember that shutdown experience. And the reason I start with that is it's very, very intrinsically linked to conscious recovery Because what I know to be true is that every human being is a spiritual being who came into this world 
so connected, knowing that we are love, that we are here to shine that love. And most of us didn't get grow up in uh, places, spaces, families, schools, uh, religious institutions that taught us we were that whole imperfect person. So many of us separated from that. Hmm. And and how do we show that we're separated from that? Well, in, in my case, the separation showed up as I started believing in my own unworthiness. I started believing the world wasn't safe. I took on, a, I absorbed the energy around me with a lot of different people. And I started to behave and believe that I was fundamentally broken. I had lost the essential truth of my own wholeness. And that's really how it ties into conscious recovery, because I recognize that we are still whole and perfect spiritual beings underneath all of our behavior and all of our beliefs. And it is interesting how um, we're languaging things a little bit different, but how uh, both of us have, have gone through some similar things, if you will. And, and mine is that, you know, we are not broken. And um, we never have been broken. And we bought this idea that we're broken. And as long as you believe you're broken, you'll, you'll let the most interesting people lead you. <laughs> you will, um, <laughs> you know, buy a lot of products you don't need or do things that you wouldn't need to do or go take some kind of shot because someone tells you to, because you have this perception that, that you're broken. Um, and, and it's interesting how both of us at one time believed of that we were unworthy or that we were broken so that we could evolve out of that to become teachers about you're always worthy and you're never broken. It's just, it's really cool how, our sacred stories uh, shapeshift us into the work that we are here to do, uh, whether it's working in an airport or being a janitor. You know, as someone once said, everybody's work doesn't need to be one that's famous or a celebrity. You know, significant work is done often behind behind the scenes. Well, yes, and, and I love that you are talking about the I'm not broken piece and also how our own unique journeys brought us to this moment. And for me, I remember, you know, I met this woman that changed my life. My story from that time of building that wall around my heart, I walked around feeling broken. I believed it so deeply. And I, of course, what we know in new thought is as I believe what I believe, I see, I perceive, right? I perceive that in the world. And so I saw brokenness all around me. And then, you know, I started using drugs and alcohol, which was a solution to that, you know, around the age 13 or 14. And I got sober really young. I've been sober 34 years now. And that Part of my journey is an important part to tell because the addiction or the, the, you know, the alcohol or the drugs or anything else we're doing, because in my experience, if I feel broken, it's like I have my umbilical cord in my hand and I'm trying to plug into something or someone to try to feel whole again. And I met a woman named Mary Helen Brownell who changed my life. This was like 1986 or 87. And she started really demonstrating for me this idea that we are these whole and perfect spiritual beings and that the spiritual journey wasn't a destination, but it was really about returning to that essential truth. Then I discovered unity and then it, it was just incredible then the way my journey took off. But I agree and I love that you said um, we have we have these, maybe we come in with a sacred contract, I don't know, but it does seem that... Um, those parts of my life that were the most difficult have turned out to be the most beneficial in my work and in my life. And yeah, and how it transcends others. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think there's something really powerful in the transformation that I went through in recognizing my inherent wholeness. And when I came to unity, that first principle, right? It's that, you know, we are all perfect expressions of this one power and one presence. 
And when I really understood that, not intellectually, but when I really got that at a very deep level, then I began a journey inward of returning to that place of wholeness, that great remembering. And then that has become the platform for all of my work. Uh, and I agree. I think about Mary Helen and, you know, she was a very, very quiet person, never on a stage. She would no more do a show like this. No way. But she had this gift of presence one-on-one -on -one with people that transformed lives. And so we all have our unique expression and we all have an opportunity and I think a deep calling to be a vehicle for spirit on this planet, regardless of what we're doing, that we each have our own unique calling. Hmm. That's, that's so powerful. It reminds me of this story that it wasn't it the creator of Charlie Brown that said, you can't tell me the, the last um, Miss Americas or you're, you can't list me the, the top 10 Heisman trophy winners. Yet you can tell me the teacher that changed your life. You can oh, tell me a, defining moment and i i totally botched that it was much more <laughs> it was much more elegant than that but um that we get the point of that and it it's so true we can still remember and state you know the teachers those encounters that uh our lives were transformed forever you know yeah, it's really and, amazing and yeah, and the interesting piece, like take Mary Helen, for example, it wasn't what she was even saying to me. You know, I'm thinking of Maya Angelou that says people will not remember what you said or even what you did, but they will remember how you made them feel. Mm -hmm. And it was her presence, right? And that's, I think, the key. It was her presence that I remember. It was almost startling to me. Here was a person that was radiating light that I could feel. And then she started saying to me, you're so precious. She had this beautiful Southern accent and she would say, darling, you're so precious. And I couldn't even take it in. I would recoil. I would push away because I couldn't believe it. But at some point I thought, well, if she's this radiant being of light and she sees that in me, I wonder if it's possible. Maybe that's a deeper truth. And so it was a long journey for me, but that moment, those moments of being in her presence are really what was important, much far more important than what she was saying. Well, once you um, had a, a new idea or an unraveling or uh, old belief systems were chipped away and you started feeling worthy, was it just easy from that moment on? Did you just, <laughs> okay, now this is me, here I go? <laughs> or what was the next phase of that evolution for you? I'm thinking, Temple, I'm thinking, are you leading <laughs> a witness here? <laughs> well, I'm I'm also laughing with you because I was interviewed on a show earlier today. And the guy, you know, he said, well, you know, tell us where you were born and, I, and when. And I said, well, I'm, I'm still being born. That's <laughs> oh, when, right. When did you, and where did you grow up? And I went. Well, I'm still growing up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it, right? I mean, because, and I really, really love your question, because I did have a belief or an idea and perhaps even a hope when I first discovered new thought and I was in my recovery process. I really thought there would be a finish line. I really thought that I would reach a place where I knew all of the time that I was one with source and I would never have another um, difficult life situation. I remember um, a client a few years ago asked me, do you really always walk around knowing your oneness and in awe of the world and knowing your connection with universal energy and every being? And my answer was, yes, I do walk around with that, but I don't always recognize it or I don't always remember it, right? Mm -hmm. So even though I had these really incredible and profound experiences as I entered new thought, it has also been um, a journey rather than a destination. And I've gone through some dark nights of the soul um, way into my spiritual journey. And I think it was, well, it, I know it was a deepening that needed to happen. So yes, we're always growing, right? We're always evolving. I hope that I never reach the finish line because I love being on this journey of exploration and there's always another level of possibility. 
Mm, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think for me, even though my soul, you know, really resonated with the message of, of unity or signs of mind or new thought, my soul went, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, uh-huh, you know, where's everybody been? Of course, this is the way I've always felt. <laughs> All that, I think, though, for a while, especially in my early days of recovery, I was still carrying around a paradigm of a, you know, white bearded guy in the sky that had a personality that sometimes was okay with me and sometimes wasn't. And I would yeah. identify that with, well, yeah. sometimes life is working and sometimes life isn't because um, this personality that I view as this God is only as good as I am right now. And right now I'm, I'm not feeling so great or you know, what is that with the little petals of a flower? He loves me, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me not. And that is a wonderful freedom. It's like a, it's like a resurrection, really, when you give that up forevermore and you go, I am always loved. I am always God's beloved. No matter what is going around me, in front of me, behind me, no matter what he said, she said, they said, it said, that never changes and to build that core and that's what to me your book does and your programs do is you're supporting people in building a core that no matter what you're strong you're solid you're courageous you can stand there in that space and that's that's an amazing thing i've met a lot of new thought leaders that can't say that <laughs> Wow, well, I, I the feel first, honored. the first to jump into the Rocky. Oh, what are we going to do? Oh, how is it going to work out? Oh, my gosh. It's like, please go back and read a chapter somewhere. Well, and, and I really love your, your saying that because let's look at Conscious Recovery, for example, which is my second book. Uh, the recovery movement, very well-intentioned, I think, uh, historically, has tended to look at the person person who is um, coming out of an addiction or suffering with an addiction, we might call it, as broken in some way. And as we're talking about, if I believe I'm broken, then I'm constantly trying to fix that, right? I'm trying to look for something or someone to fix that. But what, Temple, what you and I are saying is we're actually whole and perfect. We're a whole and perfect spiritual being. And being grounded in that, like you said, the foundation of that allows me then to move into the process of discovery. What do I need to unlearn? What are those beliefs I've been gathering up about myself in the world? What is my point of view? You know, in our political culture right now, what is my point of view about someone? Am I perceiving someone as the other? Um, am I against something or for something? But I think without the foundation of that wholeness of recognizing that I everything I've ever done that has harmed myself or another is when I was out of alignment or I had forgotten that oneness. So that is the foundation before we even start looking at how we start to heal our past forgiveness, healing shame, healing our past traumas. That is the foundational beginning. And I love that you said that because that is key because it allows the rest of what we might call the work to happen with so much more ease. Mm-hmm. Very powerfully said. Very powerfully said. So... When you're talking conscious recovery, you're talking so much more than just recovery from an addiction. Yes. Uh, you know, when we think, of, I've had so many people say, oh, I would love to read your second book, but it doesn't apply to me. I'm not in recovery or I don't have addiction. And so we, looking at a very, very broad umbrella of addiction, I'll say it this way. Because of my own journey and because of years of being 
being a minister and also working in the mental health field and the addiction field, I see that we separate from that fundamental truth of who and what we are. And when we separate from that, we try to find it from the world, right? This is why we have relationship issues, because if I feel like I'm a broken person or I don't recognize my wholeness and I look to someone else to complete me, that is, that's a, just such a setup, right? Because no one, no thing can actually re- return me to that. That really is my own journey. And so we could call any of that an addiction. I use a very, very broad term, and that is when I'm seeking someone or something, some behavior, some substance outside of myself to try to feel whole again, and I do that repetitively, uh, quite often, even though it doesn't really work anymore, but I'm still doing it, we might call that an addiction. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not even necessarily a huge fan of the word addiction, but you know, I think we, we work with the paradigm we're in. <laughs> Absolutely, and, and addiction is um, another way of saying that is also a habit. And addiction has a buzzword that people automatically go to, sexual addiction, alcohol addiction, drug addiction. Um, And a lot of people could go quick to go there and go, well, I don't have any of those. You know, I haven't had sex in two years and I've never really drank much and I don't do drugs. Um, You know, um, but the thing of it is, is that there are people across the world that are addicted to knowing in advance what the weather is going to be. (laughs) I mean, I know people that I don't know how they could make it through the day if they didn't have some kind of place to check in the morning what the weather is going to be so they can pre-decide how they're going to be affected or influenced by that. And, um, you know, so it's... Yeah, and we're addicted addicted to media. (laughs) Yeah, to media. Um, uh, to, you know, we have kids that we have to really watch and setting boundaries as far as their smartphones or their iPads or the various things. So it's, it's part of life. And that's what I love about what you do. That's what I love about the work I do. We're talking practical life here of, uh, co-creating a world that, that really, that you know that you're a part of, that you're co-creating, that you're conscious of. And so there can be levels of of recovery and discovery. To me, recovery and discovery are often almost the same word. Yeah, because we're really, we're discovering our true essence, right? We're recovering that connection or that oneness that we have with source. And I really... I think that's what's um, maybe fundamentally different about, for me, blending all that I have learned and experienced in new thought along with what I have been a part of in recovery circles and bringing those together. Uh, you know, you earlier talked about perceiving the idea of God. You know, I create the, I, the God idea through my level of conscious awareness. And when I believed I was broken, of course, I believed in a judging God because I believed I needed to be judged. None of that was really con- conscious. I would not have said to you 30 years ago, Temple, I really feel bad about myself. So I've decided there's this God that's going to punish me. I wasn't aware of it at that level, but that's what I kept replicating over and over and over again because I believed I was broken I kept perceiving that in every single relationship Mm. yeah isn't that the truth wow everyone I'm talking with TJ Woodward today you can go to his website tjwoodward.com and you can keep up with well I don't know that you can keep up with all he's doing exactly (laughs) He's everywhere. <laughs> He's everywhere. But he he shares from conscious creation to being to recovery. It's just a really powerful thing. And his work is so clear. It's so precise. And you can use it um, in every aspect of your life. That's the excitement about it. Oh, thank you, Temple. I really appreciate that. I'm, I'm grateful. You know, at some point, I realized very deeply that my calling for the however long I'm blessed to be on planet Earth this time around, 
that my calling really is to help people reconnect with their true nature. And that you do. There's no doubt about it. Everyone also join me at templehaze.com. Look forward to coming back. We'll be right back after this short break. Bless you, everyone. Thanks. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to The Intentional Spirit with Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone, and thank you for being with us. You know, I appreciate you. We've been together many years now. I'm very grateful and very thankful that you not only listen to our show, but you share it to your family and friends and and make that connection for us. I'm very, very grateful. And obviously, today we're talking about a, a subject that we could really feature this subject every week on the show, conscious recovery, recovery and discovery of, of your humanity, uh, recovery and discovery of the more spiritual you become, the more human you are. Um, you don't just go off on a mountain and, 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 you know, live this life of Nirvana. You participate in a world that's always got your name on it and what we face or what we experience. And, I love the fact of being with T.J. Woodward today. It's no secret. He is a very good friend of mine. I'm very grateful that he's in my life. But I, I, he's on this show because he is um, a really dynamic orator, teacher, and author. So welcome back, T.J. So glad you're here. Thank you, Temple. You know, I love what you just said. I don't know if it's new, but you said the more spiritual we become, the more human we are. I absolutely love that because like we talked about in the first half of the show, that's not what I wanted. I wanted to become this lofty spiritual being that would be above all other experiences that we call human. No more pain, no more difficulty, no more arguments, no more no more um, political drama. You know, I thought that somehow I was going to ascend to a different place. And what you're saying and what I love is we are entering a new era right now because we've been in an era where we recognize we're spiritual beings having a human experience. What I know to be true is we're shifting into spiritual beings having a spiritual experience. And I think that what's happening in our um, culture, in humanity, in our evolution is that we're starting to honor all parts of ourselves. that this isn't about moving away from our humanity, but really about integrating it. I'm loving all parts of myself. Uh, You know, a lot of spiritual circles talk about getting rid of the ego. I think it's a, what if our ego is divine? What if it's a delivery system? You know, we have our own unique skills and talents. Uh, recently, I was thinking this might sound a little strange, but I know Temple, you'll be you'll be okay with this. Um, I was thinking about Mother Teresa and Tony Robbins. <laughs> I can and, see that combination. Were they were they dating or what? <laughs> Not that I'm aware of, but I look at these two and how different their personalities are, right? But they're both both delivering a powerful message. We wouldn't expect Mother Teresa to get up on a stage with the music pumping like Tony Robbins does and deliver the message. And so our own unique humanity is such a gift. I spent so many years rejecting it. I wish I wasn't this. I wish I wasn't that. Why do I have this, right? Whether it's our bodies, our thoughts. And so true spirituality for me is really about integrating those and starting to recognize that ultimately um, and then our, our, you know, temple, our friend Michael Beckwith says, we're not spiritual beings having a human experience. We're spiritual beings having a human incarnation. So we're here incarnated to bring spirit into the world. That's our true calling, regardless of how we do that. That's really the calling for each and every one of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I know that your your book has been a, a bestseller. You've had a lot of activity going on about it. Um, 
give us some of the uh, teasers for for the book um, in that you give people kind of a taste of what they're going to be getting when they buy it. Thank you. Yeah, you know, I've been in recovery myself, as I said, for 34 years, working in the addiction treatment field for 12 years, been in ministry now for 15 years. And the reason I start with all of that is that so many of the addiction models are looking for what's broken. Therapists are trained to diagnose and treat. So the fundamental principle of conscious recovery is underneath all addictive behavior is a whole and perfect person. So that's the foundation. And when we set that foundation, then in conscious recovery, I start to look at the deep root causes of addictive behavior. And I've identified the the three root causes as unresolved trauma, spiritual disconnection, and toxic shame. And then throughout the book, using a lot of our new thought principles, reconnecting with that essential truth, unlearning what we need to unlearn, resolving and healing our past, you know, the, 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 the stories that we're still carrying around. But it's actually much deeper than that. We look at in conscious recovery, we recognize that if it were just as simple as shifting our thinking in the conscious mind, uh, then it would be easy for all of us. But what I have seen happen is people want to change their life. They want to change it only through behavior. But conscious recovery recognizes that we need to get down to what is actually in the unconscious. That's why, you know, when I came to New Thought, I tried on affirmations and they worked really well for a while. And I started manifesting all kinds of amazing stuff, but it didn't change the way I felt. And I ultimately kept finding myself replicating these relationships that were in a vibrational frequency or an attunement to the belief in my own brokenness. So conscious recovery helps us actually get down and heal that rather than just focusing on symptoms and behaviors. Mm, Very, very powerful. So give us an example or two that, and people that have delved into the process of conscious recovery and what they have discovered by doing so? Well, um, conscious recovery has become a movement. It started as a book and then it became a workbook and then it became curriculum. I go into treatment programs and I train facilitators um, how to deliver conscious recovery. And so what someone can expect or what I've heard from people, I actually just got an email from someone the other day, and he said he had been to 40 treatment programs, four zero, and that he had continued to drink and use again and continued to have destructive relationships. And he said when he went to a treatment program that was using conscious recovery and he read underneath all of my behavior as a whole imperfect person, he said he had an instant shift in his perspective because all the while he thought that recovery was about fixing what was broken and he kept believing he was broken and kept re-experiencing that. And so I'm gonna be really, really interested in watching his journey because I know for me, when I got that at a really deep level, everything in my life changed. And as we said, it didn't mean life was easy from that moment on, but it did change it really dramatically. So I think that's the fundamental, you know, that's the fundamental truth of conscious recovery. And when we really understand that, then we, I think, can have the courage to start looking at the trauma, healing that trauma, uh, looking at the core false beliefs we've been carrying about ourselves and the world, reconnecting with that and having that foundation is the most important first step. And that's really what someone is going to get from conscious recovery is how do we reconnect with that essential self? It's right there, one breath away within us. And then what do we need to unlearn so that we can continue to live that way? And I would think that automatically a lot of people would be able to, uh, I mean, that's what I've found in my experience with like um, people that, you know, were alcoholics, if you will, I'm just going by what they told me. This isn't like an assessment I made. But when I would, you know, start talking to them about God, they had a lot of anger, a lot of anger. Um, 
about God, you know, and I would always find that, you know, fascinating because it's like, it's kind of like that concept of, you know, God can build you a garage, but you got to pull your car up in it. You know, I mean, you or the person is the one that lifted up that bottle and took that drink. Um, but I would, but I would think that, um, there would be such a release, like you're talking about a building a foundation because it would have such a domino effect that it seems like a lot of that anger would fall by the, the wayside, if you will. Well, yeah. And you spoke of it earlier, right? When I'm at a particular level of consciousness where I'm deeply entrenched in good and bad and right and wrong, um, I'm going to perceive God to be a savior, right? And if God doesn't mm -hmm. save me, then I'm going to be angry, right? If I believe there's some power up there and out there only, and that I'm not part of that power, I'm separate from that, and then I believe I'm broken, and then I also believe the world is broken, of course I'm going to look for someone or something to try to save me. That's why we see certain political figures rise to power. They look, they're looked at as heroes. Oh, if I can just get this person elected, I will be okay. Uh, we know that's not the ultimate truth, because what really happens is a shift in consciousness. When I realize that I'm a particle of God energy and that we all are part this particle of God energy, then the, the whole thing changes. There's no one and nothing to be angry at because there's not someone orchestrating my life in the way that I once believed, right? So forgiveness, for example, if I'm deeply entrenched in good and bad and right and wrong, and I'm in that, you know, kind of you know, lower level of consciousness, and that can sound judgmental, and I don't mean that, but when I'm tuned in to a frequency of separation, I'm tuned in a, to a frequency of my own victimhood, and, and God knows I've been there, and in any moment I can go there for a second and then pull myself back. But if I'm in that paradigm, then forgiveness, I think, is actually close to impossible. If I really believe that I have done fundamental harm to someone or someone has harmed me, and I'm supposed to rise above it and be a bigger person and forgive them. Forgiveness for me is really about a shift in consciousness. Oh, I know I've harmed people when I forgot my essential truth. Now, when, when people hear me say that, they might hear me say I don't have to be accountable for my behavior. That is not the case, at least not in my journey. I've had to be accountable for my behavior, but that's different than the fundamental truth of who I am. Mm -hmm. So with recovery, it's the same way. If I'm perceiving a God that's rewarding and punishing, I'm going to be happy and then mad, angry, and filled with happiness based on what I perceive is happening. Yeah, and I, uh, we were leading the team yesterday, our spiritual broadcast team. We were going through uh, Mastermind, you know, one of my favorite, one of your favorite kind of, um, you know, formats. And I, you know, when you get to the certain step of, you know, I, I forgive myself um, and I forgive others, you know, that have harmed me. I always like to add in there that I have allowed to harm me. You yes. know? And I, that's to me is such a big part of forgiveness is accepting responsibility because we teach other people how to treat us. We teach people what's acceptable. We teach them boundaries, those kind of things. So then somebody's going to jump on real quick and say, yeah, but what if you're five? You're telling me I love them to harm you. No, I'm telling you that now you're 45 and you're still doing it. You know, <laughs> you're still doing it at 45 years old. It happened when you were five. And if you haven't forgiven them, you're still giving them power over your life. And it's a big deal. Yes, and that is so key, and I really love that you brought that into the conversation, because I, I spoke one time, and someone came up to me afterward and said, it sounds like you're victim-blaming, because you're saying it was her fault that she was in that abusive relationship. Um, and what I said is, it's not about blame, but here's the key. When something happened at five, right, let's say there was some abuse that happened at five, and at a very deep level, I decided I was broken, not just the mental level, but 
fundamentally, I started carrying the frequency of brokenness and I grew up with that. And then I'm literally vibrating in the world with the frequency of brokenness. I'm going to choose relationships unconsciously to confirm the core belief. So in other words, I only can step into a life I believe I deserve. The key here, though, is that we need to get in and shift the frequency. So it's not about blame. It's about recognizing. I remember one of my first spiritual teachers, Reverend Maureen Bass, would say, if you want to know how the law is working, look at your life. And does it does it have a correlation with what you believe about yourself? You're a powerful manifester. You keep manifesting these same dysfunctional relationships over and over and over again. Look how powerful you are. Because as long as I'm blaming um, someone from age five, six, and seven, um, I'm giving the power to them. I've worked with clients who have had severe trauma, like sexual abuse, for example, and the, the person who did that to them, they're not even alive anymore. And they've been carrying all of this, um, not only internalized shame for themselves, but also so much anger toward the other person. And they weren't even alive. So their power was going to a situation that was in the past. So rather than it's actually not victim blaming at all, it's actually empowerment. We become empowered in recognizing I have the ability to heal from this and no longer have that be my story. You know, my friend Gavin, he says it so simply. He said, you know, I blamed my mother for my posture. Then I woke up one day and realized I'm 37. I can sit up straight now. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, I say that a lot here about every week. You know, if you're, you know, welcome to a place of no blame and no shame and no guilt. And if you're over 30, you don't get to blame your parents. <laughs> <laughs> So let's get, that's right. That's let's right. Get Although, real. <laughs> I probably did blame my parents at 30 still. <laughs> you did? <laughs> I might have. I might have still been holding on to some of it. <laughs> well, it is it is phenomenal how throughout the course of our own human experience we can see the parent coming through us, whether it's a facial expression, a gesture, or something, that's for sure. And that beauty is, um, is the, uh, what, that it's a, a healthy relationship with it rather than a, than a disconnect, that's for sure. Right, because ultimately um, it, it matters, and, and I want to be careful how I say this, but on the ultimate level, it matters less what happened, but more about what we experienced because of that, what we decided because of that. I remember early in my healing process, my recovery and discovering unity, I called my sisters and I asked them to kind of corroborate like these different events that happened in our past. And I expected they would have kind of some different perspectives. But what I didn't expect was they had completely different stories. They had a completely different conclusion about our father, for example, than I did, and therefore completely different experiences throughout their life. And I, I, it, it was a profound moment to me because I realized the past only exists in my mind and I've created it from a story I keep telling myself. And so going back and trying to figure out exactly what happened is just the mind trying to make sense of it. And in my work and in conscious recovery, we really want to get back and remember what that five-year-old that six-year-old experienced. It doesn't even matter if it happened exactly the way we remembered. What's important is what did I take on? What did I, what shut down? What core belief did I have? When did I start believing that I wasn't enough? That's what we start to heal. Ultimately, it doesn't have anything to do with what happened, but more about how we experienced it. That's how we take back our power, because I can start to shift my perspective once I understand that life is all perspective based on how I'm viewing it and how I'm viewing myself. Mm -hmm. How you put it in that picture frame makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? It sure does. <laughs> I just love this life. I just find it to be absolutely so fascinating. And um, I think that's a, a big part of it. And I know that you address that in, in your writings and stuff is, is this illusion of control and the necessity of giving it up that you have control or that you want to be in control because 
more often than not, you're just simply in the way. Yeah, and if, if there's ever a time for us to recognize that, welcome to 2020, the year of <laughs> profound transformation because we literally don't know what's coming next. No, we sure don't. Here, here's the key temple, and this is what you and I know. We know that when we're grounded in our spiritual essence, we don't get thrown off by all of that, right? So trying to create predictability in the world is futile on some level. When I know very deeply who and what I am, I get to witness the ever-changing political landscape, the ever-changing, you know, everything that we're seeing in the media right now, the fear that is being, you know, fed to us. Um, when, when we connect with a deeper truth, we can become active participants in that, but not, um, we get to view that story, but not have that story be the ultimate truth like in unity teachings, relative reality and ultimate reality. And so tell us a little bit about your your work now. Are, and obviously we're talking COVID era work, but um, what are the various things that you're doing or offering these days? Again, I want to remind everybody to go to tjwoodward.com, tjwoodward.com. And you also can tune in to us on Sunday morning at 11.30 Eastern Time for um, either our Facebook, First Unity Spiritual Campus, or our YouTube channel, First Unity Spiritual Campus, because TJ is going to deliver. <laughs> I am excited about that. Uh -huh. Yeah, so, so what, I'm, what I'm up to currently is I primarily go into treatment programs and train clinicians on what it means to look for the wholeness in a person. I've created curriculum, uh, and I, I'm in San Diego actually right now as we speak. Uh, I just finished uh, working with an incredible team at a treatment program down here who is gonna be using conscious recovery. But the other thing that's really exciting is I have a lot of online courses now that I've created, um, conscious recovery, walking someone through the entire process of how we start to heal the past and reconnect with our essential truth. Uh, all, you know, of course, books, workbooks, just came out with a conscious recovery journal. And my new book is coming out uh, sometime next year. And that's what we're talking about on Sunday. And that book is Conscious Creation. So I'm really, really, I'm grateful. It is true, I'm up to a lot. And one of the things that I have discovered is when I am deeply connected and know my oneness with spirit, I have more energy in the world. I don't feel depleted. I feel energized by all the work I do. And I'm really, really incredibly grateful. And, and, I, and I, you know, Temple, you're up to a lot too. I see it. And I love that about you. Well, we, we're like Oprah. We want to be used up, you know. I, I don't want to take a whole lot of ideas with me to the other side. I want to, you know, do whatever I can in, in the time that I'm living and and really exemplify and model a, a vibrant life. I mean, to me, that's it. It's the, like you're talking about, is the, it's the conscious creation. I mean, yes, there has been times of cleaning up and clearing out, but there's times of just essential thriving and, and modeling and, and feeling in many ways on so many different levels that we've arrived while at the same time we're still interested in seeing different places. And to me, that's it. It's not that I'm broken. It's not that, oh, I'm still fixing this or fixing that. I'm discovering, you know, that we keep coming back to that word, still discovering things I don't know about life or myself yet. And that's very exciting. Yeah, and you know that really is what 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 keeps me moving through life is watching and witnessing someone having that profound moment where they shift from brokenness to wholeness, and you know, I I it's obvious when I hear myself tell my story why that's important to me because of the decades I walked around feeling broken, and so that calling, that deep purpose of being a catalyst, um, being trying being as you said, you know, for the rest of the time here on planet Earth, being part of shifting consciousness, it's it's invigorating. I'm grateful. And, you know, I love life. And what 
more could I ask for than, than loving what I do and how I'm being and the wonderful people I get to connect with like you and all the listeners. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so where do you go from here, TJ Woodward? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just right here with you. I think I don't know. Where... <laughs> here I am. Here we are. <laughs> yes, we are. And I tell well, and... you what, you and I can just talk for hours because we've always been able to do that. We need to do another show also with, um, Jeremy. Your... Jeremy, yes. Yeah, let's do it. And and on a practical note, where I'm going after this is lunch in Laguna Beach. Glorious. There you go. <laughs> That's so funny. Absolutely so funny. So what's something that no matter what you would you dedicate your life to it? What would that look like? I dedicate my life to knowing that within each one of is a spark of divinity and that as we radiate our own light as i know that for myself we automatically as marianne williamson says automatically liberate others and so that's that's the calling uh, that's my purpose that's where the gratitude comes from is being that frequency tuning into that frequency any moment i forget that's who i am returning to that not just so i can have a fabulous life which i love but so that i can also be a beneficial presence on the planet so that each of us can have that great remembering and that really to me um, is the key that's the key so for anyone listening what i want to say is you are a whole and perfect spiritual being right now and whether or not you believe it Right. You know, because I would say that people said that to me and I don't I don't know that I believed it. Mm-hmm. But I kept feeling that and I kept saying that and I kept surrounding myself with people that did believe it and then it became so. So you've had the good pleasure of being with TJ Woodward today. I'm sure he touched your life like he touches mine. Thank all of you for thinking with Unity Online Radio. We love and appreciate you, and we'll see you back next week. We have Fanny Flags, so many, many blessings. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.